it's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Friday, December 9th. I'm Kelly Reese and this is your KVMR Evening News. Federal immigration authorities plan to end their contract with Yuba County Jail. That means the county's out $8.7 million a year. The California Report has the details up ahead. Then, we've got a look at local news and your weekend weather forecast, before KVMR's Felton Pruitt speaks to Achilles Wheel bass player Shelby Snow. The band's gearing up for their New Year's Eve performance at the Nevada City Oddfellow Hall. This is the California Report. I'm Adi Bolaños in San Francisco. A Bay Area member of Congress says federal immigration authorities plan to end their contract with the Northern California County Jail, the last public facility in the state to hold immigrants fighting deportation. As KQED's immigration editor Tyke Hendricks reports, it comes after years of outcry over substandard conditions. San Jose Congresswoman Zoe Lofgren says U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement notified her of plans to stop detaining immigrants at the Yuba County Jail. Lofgren was one of 22 California representatives who called on ICE last year to stop using Yuba and two private prison facilities in the state. She notes the jail has consistently failed to meet ICE's detention standards. Yuba County will lose a contract worth $8.7 million a year. The money pays for 150 beds a day, though ICE is currently holding just four people at the jail. Edwin Carmona Cruz at the California Collaborative for Immigrant Justice celebrated the news, and he credited the courage of detained immigrants who spoke out about medical neglect and other dangers. It reminds me of all of the people that we fought to get out. This victory is really for them because they came out publicly about the conditions inside, risking retaliation. Neither ICE nor the Yuba County Sheriff's Office would confirm the ending of the contract by press time. For the California Report, I'm Tyke Hendricks. A Bay Area assemblyman is proposing that California close three more state prisons over the next three years. Assemblyman Phil Ting, who also chairs the Assembly Budget Committee, says the state could be facing a massive budget deficit, and closing the facilities could save hundreds of millions of dollars a year. Earlier this week, the Newsom administration outlined plans to close the state's last prison owned by a private contractor, along with a facility in Riverside County. And now to a preview of our sister show, The California Reports Weekly Magazine. This week, a tiny local election in the Central Valley that could have big ripple effects for farming and water. The Westlands Water District produces crops like tomatoes, garlic, and almonds. And it's historically fought with environmentalists who accuse the wealthy farmers there of hogging water. Westlands has just elected a slate of board members promising a new strategy, a recognition that large-scale farming will have to shrink. Reporter Dan Charles brings us this story as part of a collaboration with the Food and Environment Reporting Network. I'm Sarah Wolf. I am a farmer in Westlands Water District. Sarah Wolf grew up in one farming family, married into another one, the Wolfs, who run one of the biggest operations in Westlands. I'd gone to meet her the day before the board meeting at the Wolf Farm headquarters, which feels more corporate than agrarian. I wanted to know how they'd pulled off this coup. 
and why? I think I just didn't feel that it was appropriate to just go along to get along, that we weren't making positive strides. To understand what she wanted to change at Westlands, you have to go back in time to the 1950s and 1960s, when the farmers here got the federal government to build a new dam and canal and connect their land to the Central Valley Project, delivering water from dams hundreds of miles to the north, like Shasta and Trinity. It is a pleasure for me to come out here and help blow up this valley and uh, the cause of progress. President Kennedy flew out in 1962 for the groundbreaking. It was the last stop in a tour of three new water projects. This project, the Frying Pan Arkansas, and the project in South Dakota represent 10, 20, and 30 years' effort of devoted citizens. Things do not happen. They are made to happen. The farmers of Westlands made this happen. We had a fair amount of clout legislatively. We were a, you know, a very rich district. We had politically active landowners. And um, we hired very talented lobbyists. But the world changed. Senator from Louisiana. Uh, Mr. President, this bill marks the culmination of one of the most controversial, one of the most difficult... In 1992, Congress passed the Central Valley Project Improvement Act, which said Westlands and other farmers can't take more water from those northern California rivers if it threatens the survival of wildlife. So when droughts hit, farmers got less. Some years they got nothing. They were shocked, furious. And Westlands led the fight to overturn those rules in the courts and in Congress. Here's General Manager Tom Birmingham at a hearing on Capitol Hill in 2016. Where's the outrage that it's governmental policies that have created zero water supplies for communities in the San Joaquin Valley? He got into verbal tussles with members of Congress like California's Jared Huffman. Mr. Birmingham, I listened carefully and politely while you misstated the facts, and so you get to listen carefully to my correction of them. Uh, and, and then I hope I have an opportunity County, to correct this the correction. This is my time, Mr. Birmingham. You had your time. Sarah Wolf became increasingly convinced that this fight was futile. Farmers by themselves couldn't get their way anymore. What we do is important. Growing food is very important. It's something to be proud of. And I want to be proud of what we're doing, but if we're just fighting with people, I don't, I'm not very proud of that. The thing is, you can make progress in ways that don't involve fighting, she says. You can hear more how Westlands, one of the biggest players in California's water wars, plans to change its strategy by tuning in to the California Report magazine on your public radio station or downloading the magazine's podcast. Support for the California Report comes from Hint. Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories, in stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. Stanford Healthcare, alerting listeners to the critical blood shortage in the area. Now is the time to donate blood and make a difference. StanfordBloodCenter.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, which bets early on exceptional people making the world better, on the web at schmidtfutures.com. 
And that's the California Report for Friday, December 9th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Danny Bringer, Brendan Willard, Jim Bennett, and Seal Muller. Our producers are Amanda Stupai and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our interim director of news is Ki Sung. Our executive editor is Ethan Toven Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm Adi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Let's take a look at today's local news. The California Transportation Commission has approved $1 billion for 93 new walking and biking projects throughout the state. The money will go to disadvantaged communities as part of the 2023 Active Transportation Program. This includes $13.8 million for Nevada County to make multimodal corridor improvements to Highway 49. Yuba County will receive $21 million for the West Linda Safe Routes to School project. $15.4 million will be given to the city of Placerville for the initial phase of Placerville Drive Bicycle and Pedestrian Facilities Improvements. And Butte County will see $7.8 million go to the South Oroville Bicycle and Pedestrian Connectivity Project. Ubinet reports Nevada County and Sierra Roots will open a cold weather shelter at 4.30 p.m. Monday and Tuesday nights in Nevada City at the Madeline Helling Library Community Room. The cold weather shelter will accept guests until 8 p.m. Turning our attention to your forecast from the National Weather Service, a strong winter storm blows in this evening and stays through the weekend. Ubinet put this weather system in perspective by comparing it to recent winter weather we've seen. This system will be much stronger than last weekend's storm, and the National Weather Service recommends avoiding mountain travel if at all possible. A wind advisory is in effect for strong winds Saturday. Winds could lead to downed trees, which means power outages are possible. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, an 80% chance of showers, mainly after 3 a.m., steady temperature around 41 degrees, windy with gusts up to 31 miles per hour. Saturday, an 100% chance of showers with a high near 45. Winds between 28 and 35 miles per hour with gusts as high as 49 miles per hour. Saturday evening sees showers and possibly a thunderstorm with the low around 35. New rainfall between an inch and two inches is possible. Sunday, rain and snow showers before 11 a.m., then rain and snow showers likely to return after 5 p.m. with a high near 40. New snow accumulation of less than a half inch is possible. Sunday night, rain and snow showers are likely mainly before 11 p.m. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, a 50% chance of snow after 11 p.m., mostly cloudy with a low around 24 degrees. Saturday, snow with a high near 35, and new snow accumulation of 9 to 13 inches is possible. More snow Saturday night with a low around 19 degrees. Sunday, 90% chance of precipitation with a high near 29. The National Weather Service warns of a significant Sierra winter storm this weekend, with the potential for several feet of snow from Friday night into late Sunday. Whiteout conditions may occur across the Sierras on Saturday due to strong winds and heavy snowfall. Expect total snow accumulation of 18 to 28 inches under 7,000 feet and 2 to 4 feet of snow above 7,000 feet. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, a 60% chance of showers likely with a low around 47. Saturday, a 100% chance of precipitation, with a high near 54. Sunday, a chance of showers and possibly thunderstorms, with a high near 52. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. 
Up next, KVMR's Felton Pruitt talks with Shelby Snow, longtime member of Northern California jam band Achilles Wheel. The two talk about how Shelby began playing bass, the origin of the band's name, and their plans to play a New Year's Eve show at the Oddfellows Hall in Nevada City. We're talking with Shelby Snow. He's a longtime member of Achilles Wheel and one of the uh, more favorite bass players in Nevada County. Thanks for joining us, Shelby. Hey, well, thank you for having me, Felton. It's great to be here. We've got a big show coming up on New Year's Eve. Achilles Wheel is playing in Nevada City at the Oddfellows Hall. I'm super, super excited about it. I had never been to that hall before. just checked it out yesterday, and it's a neat old place. And I just thought, wow, this is going to make for a great party as soon as I walked in. It's a historic old hall. I mean, it is truly an old hall here in Nevada City. Yeah, I don't know when it was built, but I'm assuming sometime around the same time as the National Hotel, maybe? It is. Is it right, right next? on the same block. Yeah, it's right next to it. And so we've got an yes. Achilles Wheel show on New Year's Eve. You guys are playing from 7.30 to 11. And then I hear you've also got, like, people hanging from the rafters, or what do you, what do you got going? We have, uh, we have a uh, burlesque aerialist show, and so there'll be a couple of dancers in midair. If the weather holds, we've got some giant bubbles that'll be blown at break time outside. It's going to be a circus. You know, we're hoping to just... You know, color the whole world as brightly as we can with our music and lights and and fun. And Achilles' wheel on the New Year's Eve sounds like a fun time anyway. It always has been. Yes. You guys have done a number of uh, New Year's Eve shows. I mean, Achilles' wheel's been around for, I guess, uh, 11, 12 years now? 12, 12 years, Achilles' wheel, and I've been with them for 11 now. Yeah, we were just talking about, I recorded a show, an 11-11-11 show at the Auburn Events Center that Scott Holbrook put on with Achilles Wheel, and that was right before you joined them, I think. Just right right before, I had filled in for, for Marty Holland a couple of times prior to that, and then right after that, I'm not sure when my first official show was, but uh, yeah, shortly after that. Um, so it's about eleven years for me now. Yeah, and it's been a it's been a fun ride. It seems like uh, more than fun. It's beyond description. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sometimes I, I get off stage and think, "Wow, that's pro- that's probably something illegal about having that much fun." I think. Yeah, Achilles' wheel is. I'm just very suited and well matched for this group of musicians. It's like I've been waiting all my life for them. Do you know the story of where the name came from? You know, Paul, Paul Cam is, I think he's the one that came up with the name, and he studies Greek. He's, like, learning how to speak Greek, and, uh, of course, it's all Greek to me, but I think that he came up with the name, and, you know, it's a play on words, Achilles heel, Achilles wheel, and... I'm not sure how that all popped and went into his head. Achilles Wheel started out as Dead Head, I believe, and it was, you know, Grateful Dead cover cover material for the most part, and then Paul was interested in adding in some originals, Johnny Wright's originals as well, and uh, they didn't figure a, a Grateful Dead-related name was going to work, so they, they changed it, and Paul came up with Achilles Wheel, which I thought was clever and uh and unique so it's stuck 
Of course, Paul Cam used to be in the Deadbeats, which was the dead cover band for our area for that many was years. The, that was the local dead cover band uh, galore for 20 years up here. I think he uh, ran that course and wanted to just focus on his his really fine original material, uh, yeah, which is what we primarily do. We'll throw some covers in occasionally here and there, but it's primarily uh, you know all our all our original original material and. We uh, we do have a couple of of covers that we're going to throw in for New Year's Eve uh, that was sort of just you know sort of tailored for the event and for the theme because it's over at eleven the New Year's show uh, we're going to do a New Orleans New Year's Eve countdown at ten o'clock you know a lot of people express the desire to get home early get off the roads before all the insanity happens and, you know, get into bed, maybe watch some fireworks on television. And so we, we decided we would do an early show. I didn't think, didn't really know what to think about it at first, but I, uh, I really like the idea now. It's, I like the idea of getting into bed early myself. (laughs) We're talking with Shelby Snow, the bass player for Achilles wheel. They're going to be playing at the odd fellows hall in Nevada city on new year's Eve. Hey, Shelby, let's get back into uh, the fact that you're like one of my favorite bass players of all time. How did you get into playing the bass? Wow. Well, thank you. Thank you for that, Felton. Um, it's quite quite a compliment coming from you. Um, I started playing bass. My dear friend, David Klaus, who is now our second drummer, uh, and I were, were both children, 12-year-olds in Santa Cruz area. And uh, we were friends, and we got together one day. Actually, it was we went to a concert with a band, and I, I'm really sure this is legal to say on radio. It's a band called Oganuki from okay. Santa Cruz, and relatively unknown, although they are on YouTube. Um, they were a fantastic psychedelic bluegrass band in the early 70s in Santa Cruz. We went to see them as our first live music experience and got together the next day and said, oh boy, we got to do that. And I started taking lessons from the violinist in, from Ogunaki, and David started taking lessons from their drummer. And well, it didn't take us long to you know, get together and start start bashing on our instruments and make it noise and, and uh, starting to become musicians. And I didn't, wasn't really suited for the violin, so uh, the, uh, the violinist was uh, an extremely talented musician, and he also played bass in the band. And so I said, well, teach me bass instead. And my mom got me a cheap bass at the, at the, uh, the pawn shop, and the rest is history. I took a couple of months worth of lessons from him, you know, once a week, and then just started plunking away and making as much loud noise as I could with all the friends I could muster, and uh, it ended up being, uh, you know, pretty pretty much self-taught for the next 30 years or something like that, and um, I eventually went to music college and took other lessons from uh, you know other other players along the line and just tried to expose myself to as much different eclectic styles of music as possible and and steal bass riffs from other other really good players 
And, uh, you know, you mentioned Jaco Pastorius earlier, and he's certainly one of my one of my all-time favorites. And, you know, Phil Lesh and John Entwistle and Paul McCartney and all the greats. Uh, I just sort of incorporated what I could figure out into, you know, the way I play and my style and stuff. And the names that you just mentioned, I always look at them as they're, they're like, I call them lead bass players because they're equal with the guitars. In that a lot of t- in a lot of bands, the bass is is rhythm. It's just in the background, and it's with the drums. It's with whatever the percussion is. But I, I see yours to be equal with all of the other lead instruments. I oftentimes think that you know maybe I should have just stuck with the violin because <laughs> my my character and my my style is more sort of lead playing, and it's taken me it's taken me uh, up until now and. I haven't even perfected really how to play bass. I don't really even know what the definition of it is. I've heard people describe it as being, you know, the simple, the ba- the background, the the root of everything in the, in a song. And I, you know, to, to me, it just I just add what seems to feel right at, at the moment. And sometimes it sometimes it's right, sometimes it's not. Achilles' wheel takes a lot of musical risks and and, and improvisational approach to the songs you know they'll 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 take on a different aspect depending on the day and the weather and who's in the audience and who's listening well so people can show up on new year's eve at the oddfellas hall in nevada city and they can experience all of this with achilles wheel and shelby snow playing the bass shelby thank you for your time and your uh, stories today I sure appreciate your time, Felton. I hope you get a chance to come out to the show, and we'll, uh, we're going to rock and roll. I like to dance right in front of the bass player, whatever band it is, so you'll see me. Well, that's where it sounds best, of yeah. course. Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> New Year's Eve with Achilles Wheel at the Oddfellas Hall in Nevada City. That's Shelby Snow. Take care. Thanks. That's our newscast for this Friday, December 9th. Visit us online at kvmr.org and connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. KVMR gets support from generous listeners like you and Ghost Town Woodworks, sustainably sourced, functional, and sophisticated woodworking off Loma Rica Road, Grass Valley. Handcrafting artisan furniture, tables, slab flattening, utilizing native and exotic wood. Custom designs can be made to order. G-H-O-S T-O-W-N.net. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendonca. As always, thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Reese signing off. Stay safe out there this weekend.